Welcome back to another Best Cleavage Put to Film episode of the First Time Watchers Podcast. Because we like to watch. My name is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano De Silva. This is Walter Vinci. And joining us tonight, the man who has the second best cleavage in town from filmseekers.com, Neil Ramji. Welcome back to the show, Neil. Thank you, gentlemen, for inviting me back again. I don't know why we're doing my it. boobs at the same time, by the way. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> uh, give us a scoop on what's been going on over at Film Seekers, uh, if there has been anything going on, Neil. We've taken a wee hiatus over Christmas. Myself and Michael have uh, very, very busy schedules over the Christmas period because of the secondary jobs that we do. So uh, we're going to be up, back up and running in hopefully in a few weeks' time. Uh, new podcast out on the way. We do have one in the can as well to put out there, but we were pretty much on death's door when we recorded it, and you can tell by listening back to it. But, hey, I might put that out there for a laugh. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to wait until all the... Uh, Oscar speak and award speaks all out of the way and we can concentrate on watching films of what they should be, which is, you know, really, really good stuff. So, um, so yeah, um, Film Seekers will be back up and running in a few weeks. Yay! <laughs> Wally, did you happen to listen to their episode on uh, the uh, Jodorowsky film? No, I've actually been really busy where I haven't had to listen to anything. God damn it, Wally. That's a good answer, Wally. <laughs> no, it's true. I've... Uh, doing an impact report for the school. So. All right, I'm bored already. We're, we're moving on. We're moving on. Uh, what we like to do on the FTW podcast is find a movie that none of us have seen, watch together, then discuss. These movies could be new, they could be old, or something that's on all of our lists of shame. Stay tuned to the very end of this episode to each of us make a very special movie recommendation. If you'd like to send feedback, remember to email us at firsttimewatchers at gmail.com. This week, we are discussing Aaron Sorkin's directorial debut, Molly's Game. But before we get into that, it is time for Yay or Nay. Yeah. This is the part of the show where we discuss what we have seen recently on our own. Neil. Uh, Neil, Neil, Neil has seen many films, but he'll boil it down to the usual three. So um, all the money in the world. The uh, Ridley Scott film finally came out here last week uh, uh, with um, Kevin Spacey exercised out of the uh, equation and Christopher Plummer, uh, nine day plumber, shall we say <laughs> from now on, um, is uh, in his role. And um, it's one of those films where obviously... You've got a backstory to it in terms of its production, a bit similar to The Revenant, I guess, in, in, in the way that they've struggled to film it. And you're trying not to let that get in the way of watching the film and, and enjoying it. Um, and yes, I did try and look to see if I could see where the, the joins were and what, you know, where Kevin was airbrushed out and where Plummer was put in. And then I kind of zoned out of that after 10 minutes because to be honest with you it's pretty much seamless all the way through um it's an enjoyable film starring michelle williams uh christopher plum obviously and uh mark Wahlberg, and also roman juris um who you may have seen in many french films he plays uh, an italian in this uh film for some weird reason but you may have seen him in f french films such as populaire and the the beat that my heart skipped really really enjoyable film obviously takes poetic license with the true story behind uh john paul getty the third michelle williams is uh, a distraught mother all the way through looking to uh resolve this whole situation where her son has been kidnapped and the billionaire grandfather played by christopher Plummer, won't pay up mark Wahlberg is the fixer character in there as well and um i really enjoyed mark Wahlberg's character because he's very muted um i 
I think the fact that he's been sidelined for the entirety of this film, he doesn't really do much Wahlbergian things, and that's great for me because I don't like him as an actor. <laughs> Roman Juris plays a caricature of a uh, European terrorist. Uh, it's not much more to it. But Ridley Scott's fingerprints are all over it. It's beautiful. Um, it's a really enjoyable watch, if a little bit too long. But um, a great story nonetheless. All the money in the world is a yay for me. Is it as good as Alien Covenant? um do you know what i did actually buy that uh last week damn Uh, straight would you believe it damn Um, straight uh, uh, i i caved it was only five pounds which is what two dollars fifty or something like that on blu-ray so i thought just to add it to the collection i'll give it another chance at some point i would have left it on the shelf Uh, I'll give it another chance, but all the money in the world fast passes that. Um, Ridley Scott is back on form as far as I'm concerned. Um, the next film to talk about is Trespass Against Us. It's recently appeared on Netflix UK, uh, and it is set in the UK in, in um, Northamptonshire, Norfolkshire, somewhere like that. It's in the middle of England, if you think about the way we look. So, um, directed by a guy called Adam Smith, I think it's his first sort of major feature, but it does star some big hitters, including Michael Fassbender and Brendan Gleeson. And it's about this travellers, sort of Romany gypsy sort of family. Um, They talk in a very um, colloquial manner. They have their own idioms, etc. And it is a look uh, from the outside, I guess, as all of us being part of the civilised world or whatever that may be. Uh, Looking at all these people who live slightly off the grid um, and the, the way that they raise their children the things they do to get by stealing um you know not paying their taxes um dealing drugs and michael fassbender is front and center of this film and he's trying to escape this sort of life that that he's living in but he can't escape himself because i think not it's not really concluded but it's inherent into his own character it's part of him it's part of his culture uh trespassers against us really needed some direction for me uh in terms of its narrative it really sort of meanders and it sort of looks on his child uh, michael fassbender has two children uh the son character is going for a particularly difficult period of his life he's only nine years old he doesn't know what's right and what's wrong um he's watching his dad do all these things late at night and he's getting a, an impression of you know this is the way i need to be when i'm growing up it needed more focus on the child if i'm honest with you but i can understand why the director focused on fassbender for commercial reasons so uh, trespass against us is probably a mild yay for me does and then michael fassbender Spender make out with himself he doesn't um he doesn't make out with no he does have sex with the lady who's in um phantom Thread. i don't care about ladies and michael fassbender i just want to know about michael fassbender making out with himself um no okay. sadly not next him. okay <laughs> and then finally um ladybirds yeah yeah uh, the... The Greta Gerwig film uh with Saoirse Ronan, Laurie Metcalf, Tracy Letts and Lucas Hedges I enjoyed the film. Uh, I've tried to push right. the hype away from everything uh, of it. I felt a bit of a disconnect. We're done here. We're I... done here. We're done here. You are a monster for not loving it as much as us. I, what, 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 why, why did you love it so much, well, Tim? I, I don't I'm need intrigued. to repeat myself. I talked about this with uh, Andrew well, give a couple me a pre- weeks ago. Give me, give me a summary. Give me a summary. Uh, what, Wally? Hirano? Uh, please? Anybody? It is uh, It is a fantastic and, and I think... Perfectly executed coming of age movie, especially especially 
especially pertinent to to mothers and and daughters. I think this is and and even even men can benefit from from watching this one because it it touches on a lot of themes and really illustrates a lot of things what these what a lot of young girls go through on a regular basis. I I think this movie is is absolutely flawless. Okay, and I think that there there are two valid reasons there, Wally. Um, one is that we don't see enough of these stories on films that are authentically told from a woman's perspective, that is uh, true. and I think and I I think that's brilliant. <clears throat> um, obviously, Greta Gerwig's put a lot of her uh, biographical details into this film, and I, I'm aware that some of what happens to the lead character, Lady Bird, in this film happened to her as she was an aspiring actress. Um, I felt a disconnect, and I think it's a good thing because I'm used to seeing men on screen and men's stories and women's stories told from the perspective of men or written by men. And this is something that took me completely out of my comfort zone, and it's something I'm not used to or something I'm not acclimatized to. It's not that I'm not open to it. I just felt a disconnect with the story, and I just felt that it was a great coming-of-age story. It just didn't have something in there. It felt a little bit twee, a little bit too indie for me in places. Um I, I think Saoirse Ronan is once again is an accomplished character, uh, accomplished actress. She can pull the film right the way between her fingers. She's great at what she does. Perfectly believable in the role. I just think that sometimes the flights into fantasy and fancy were a bit too much like, for what? my I, personal I, I'm honestly shaking my head at that that comment because I have I didn't get any moments of quote unquote twee as you say. It, it, it's slightly twee. Come on, some of the stuff that's in the uh, the, the co- covenant, uh, the, the 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 religious school that she attends, uh, where they're all sort of, you know, the, the the nuns going around hitting them, saying, you know, God only permits so many uh, feet between people, um, and uh, the jumping out of the car scene. Um, come on, that never happens, or oh, that's not believable within the context of the film that's trying to make you believe the story. Well, don't it, you also? It doesn't, it doesn't. Sorry, go on. No, don't you also feel? Well, on that point, don't you feel that this movie is also more of a set of memories uh, of Lady Bird's uh, time in, in her life at this point, and that there it, may be some slight exaggerations, you know, uh, maybe even uh, based on her feelings of those moments, you know? So while, while maybe that moment of jumping out of the car isn't necessarily that believable, it, it could have been how she truly felt at that moment. Absolutely. But these things aren't delineated enough for me to, to have known that they were a collection of memories. It's not really told uh, or narrated as uh, looking back at the past. Does it's, this it's, movie have a chance of making your top 10 of the year? Um, no. All right. You're, you're, you're fired. <laughs> I still love you, Neil. <laughs> um, the year's only just begun, Tim. Come on, we can't start throwing around. Oh, is it a now. 2018 release for you? It is a 2018 oh, release. Yeah, it's not yeah, even out. It's okay. not even out in the UK yet. So I've only seen it because um, I've you, had screeners sent by. Um, <laughs> you're privileged uh, company to me. So uh, yeah, so I've, I'm in the privileged position that I've shut all over this film. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't. You've given it due respect. Not. Enough, though, of course. But uh, yeah, that's it for you, Wally. All right, I got uh, I got one. Uh, watched this during uh, our bomb cyclone when <laughs> it uh, rolled through Rhode Island, and it's uh, it was on Netflix. It's called Bushwick. When a Texas military force invades their Brooklyn neighborhood, twenty-year-old Lucy and war veteran Stoop must defend must depend on each other to survive. 
directed by Carrie Murnian and Jonathan Millett, who are the geniuses responsible for bringing you 2014's Cooties. Oh, yeah. I remember the trailer for that. Um, and this movie is uh, not good at all. Uh, it does star Dave Bautista, uh, if you can get him in the actual frame, because the camera work on this thing is garbage. There is Everything is shot from, like, just around, like, thigh level with, like, a five-degree tilt to the camera. Of all the fucking so movies you got to choose when you're stuck in the house... And you choose this one. I mean, seriously, I, you. I didn't choose this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> so everything is shot from this like mid thigh range with a little five degree tilt. So like someone walks in the room, you never actually really see them in the room. There's people going upstairs, and like if someone goes up a set of stairs in this, the camera immediately looks at the stairs. Like the, the person who's holding the camera just like let the camera settle on their shoulder while they walked up the stairs to continue shooting. And like the concept on it is actually pretty good, but the execution in this is 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 terrible. Um, so this is this is an absolutely is not really much I even really worth going into in this movie. There's there's it's just not good. Hmm. Uh, several things for me as usual. Uh, was it last week that I said I finally finished Punisher? Yes. Well, in between the time that I finished Punisher and. Tonight, I finished uh, Godless, a TV series on Netflix, a Western. For uh, good things. Uh, it, oh, it, it's great. It's great. Everything you've heard is is worth it. Um, so this is a, uh, a series that was created and, and written by, what's the guy's name? Scott Frank. And Scott Frank also has a writing credit of the screenplay for Logan from earlier in 2017. And, uh, and I mean, that's pretty much... Uh, what he's done is he's, he's a writer. I mean, he wrote, remember Dead Again from 1991? Yep. Remember Malice, the movie that I talked about a few weeks ago? There you go. Yep. He wrote that. He wrote Get Shorty and Out of Sight and Minority Report and Flight of the Phoenix uh, uh, remake and uh, The Lookout and Marley and Me and The Wolverine and then Logan. Uh, and so uh, this guy, you know, pretty good, pretty decent writing uh, uh, track record. And uh, Godless is great. It's, it's a great Western. It's pretty much an ode to classic Westerns. It's many different uh, uh, homages uh, to a lot of classic westerns. There's a ton of, of um, what's the one with John Wayne with the big with the doorway at the end? Searchers. Uh, Searchers. Yeah, there's a lot of Searchers uh, shots in here, which is good because it looks good. It's a great shot, of course. Uh, but it's uh, it stars Jack O'Connell, who's great. You remember him from '71 and uh, Skins, and uh, it's it's just a great it's just a great series. It's it's really well done. It's it's a it's only seven episodes long. However, each episode is anywhere from sixty to eighty minutes long. Although there are two episodes that are like forty five minutes long, so it is a little bit of time to to get through. But it's uh, it's great. That's why I binged it in a week. Uh, it's a high A. Uh, better watch out. A horror film from earlier this year. Uh, that's uh, another babysitter uh, horror film that isn't that great. Uh, it's not worth talking about. It's an A. Uh, I rewatched Get Out uh, just uh, before our year-end wrap-up and uh, just to see where it ranks, and I put it higher in my list. Uh, so you will you may, you may not hear about it next week. I don't know. Uh, or not next week. Uh, yeah, wait, next week? Can we do that next week? No, two weeks from now. You may hear about it in our year-end wrap-up, but uh, Get Out. That's a high A, of course. Uh, another horror film from last year, The Devil's Candy. 
uh, directed by Sean Byrne. Hermano, do you recognize that name, the director, Sean Byrne? Sounds familiar. The Loved Ones? Oh, really? Yes. Oh, my, my piqued my interest. A struggling painter is, is possessed by satanic forces after he and his young family move into the dream home in rural Texas. Uh, and it's a haunted house tale. Um, a little bit of Amityville in here. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I was trying to compare it to The Loved Ones, and it is a lot different, uh, it, even in style. Uh, but, and I don't know, I, I think you would like it. It's only an hour and 19 minutes, and it's, and it's streaming on Netflix. So it's a real quick watch. Uh, and there's a lot of good things in here. There's a lot of good filmmaking and uh, just a lot of over um, biblical stuff in here, you know, subtext and, and whatnot. Uh, and uh, it's just, you know, it's really well shot. I can say, I can say that. However, there's, there's really bad CGI fire. And I, I, don't, I don't know when, you know, CGI fire has become so accepted. Because there's, there's also CGI fire in the Godless TV series as well at the end of it. And, and man, oh man, um, it, it, it's just a distraction more than anything else. You know, it, it doesn't help aesthetically. It doesn't look good. It's just a distraction. And I'm getting tired of CGI fire. Just Which because... one is worse, CGI fire or CGI snow? Hmm. Remember CGI... the CGI snow in uh, Social Network? Everybody was uh, up in arms about how fake it looked. I don't remember that, to be honest with you. Um, and the fake breath, you know, when they were out, supposedly outside in the cold. Well, I remember fake breath in Titanic, you know. Um, yeah, that too. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think I think you can hide the snow better than than fire. I think the right answer you're looking for, Tim, is they both suck. It's true. It's true. Uh, well put. Devil's Candy, mild yay. Um, and two movies that could be my recommendations of the week. Uh, I did watch uh, I Tanya, uh, directed by Craig Gillespie, starring Margot Robbie. And uh, I'll be seeing this this weekend too. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's really good. It, it's it's. Um, it's uh, kinetic is what I can say. You know, uh, Neil, have you seen I, Tanya? Um, I've seen part of it uh, oh. um, for the first first 20 minutes. Um, I, it took me by surprise. It's a little bit more knockabout than I first thought it was. I thought it was just a trailer that looked a bit sort of overly comedic, but it's obviously all the way through. It is a comedy. It, it is a dark comedy, and uh, but it, it doesn't pull any punches because there's a lot of punches in here. You know, kind of no pun intended, really. But uh, there, it really goes into the abuse, uh, physically and psychologically, that uh, Tanya Harding, you know, was put through uh, from growing up uh, through her mother. Her mother is an evil, evil woman, uh, mm. portrayed so. I should say by uh, Allison Janney, who does a great job of impersonating somebody and and being a, a douchebag. Um, but I, it, I mean, there's a really g- lot of great film techniques using here of uh, you know um, document pseudo documentaries type of uh, like uh, to the camera testimonials, uh, and uh, it's a non-linear story. It goes back and forth uh, uh, between um, I don't know uh, whenever they're they're. Uh, talking to the camera and the 10 to 20 years prior, you know, so it, it's, it's, it's a good movie. It, you know, the, the, the praise is warranted and Margot Robbie will probably be nominated for best actress and, uh, deservedly so because she's, she's very compelling in this. I, uh, and Tim's pick of the week is, uh, also from last year. It's Harry Dean Stanton's last role and it's lucky. Yay. You, you saw this. I did. I was there in, uh, in attendance for the, uh, UK premiere with, uh, 
Mr. Carroll himself, who directed. John Carroll Lynch, uh, who you m- uh, many people will know as um, the the primary suspect, I guess, in Zodiac. Um, if if you uh, if you look him up, you'll recognize him immediately as as a character actor. This is his very first movie, and he's it's, also in Fargo. Uh, he is in f- the movie Fargo. Yeah, he's Margie's husband, isn't he? That's right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and um, Harry Dean Stanton puts on a wonderful performance, one of the best performances of the year. Once again, you know, going in with the knowledge that this is his final film role, it, it, it seems like it was meant to be his final film role maybe you know someone like harry dean santon at his age you know knows you know uh, has some sort of sixth sense and is able to you know reach into the depths to uh, to pull out uh, an emotional uh you know kind of roller coaster you know it's an up and down journey uh, of him just in this uh time of time of his life uh, in this small town you know uh, that where he has routine and you follow his routine you get to understand his routine very quickly in the in the film and uh it, it's just a very simple story about about life you know uh about legacy too uh and uh hermano i highly recommend you watch this before our end of year wrap-up because it, he is friends with none other than a character played by david lynch yeah, I knew that. And uh, and David Lynch, I didn't recognize him when he first came on the screen because he's wearing a hat, and, <laughs> and 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 it wasn't until later that he has a hat off. I'm like, hey, wait a minute, I know who that is. And uh, and it's it's great. It's just a really wonderful, simple story, and and uh, and a touching performance. There's a great monologue towards the end of the movie. Uh, that uh, that that may have uh, induced a little water from my eyes for some reason. Oh, yeah, it was touching. It was nice. Good story. Good movie. Uh, I, I I recommend it. Hi, yay. All right, Hermano. All right. I watched uh, two things. Uh, first thing was from across the pond. I don't know if it's still considered from across the pond. Neil will have to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, okay. Black Mirror. It is. Well, okay. The, the <laughs> since Netflix. The first two seasons you can class as UK based, and then they're on. It's all sort of, yeah, Netflix based. But it it all originates with you, mostly UK crew, and uh, it's all written by Charlie Brooker, of course. So yeah, I'd I'd still class it as UK based ish. Okay, uh, I was a huge fan of season one. I still haven't seen season two. Uh, season three, I was also a huge fan of. Just a huge fan of the the series um, as a whole. Um, I just started watching season four i've only watched the first three episodes so far um in this six total i'll just talk about them real quick uh the first one is called uh, uss callister stars jesse plemons it's kind of a send-up of a star trek type show um and as like black mirror is known they kind of have like kind of sort of biting commentary sometimes uh through either like technology or like some other thing and, and this one for me uh have you seen this yet neil season four yes i have yeah yeah okay so like for the first episode i think they're kind of commenting on like um like toxic fandom slash like um fans just kind of seizing ownership mm-hmm. of of things and then just kind of perverting what the original intent of that that thing was and mm-hmm. it's kind of timely with this episode because of all the the, you know, the outcry with Star Wars, of course. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I just immediately saw like those parallels with this episode. And I think you'll really, uh, especially uh, Tim and Wally, you guys will get a kick out of it, uh, seeing as it's really riffing on uh, Star Trek um, pretty hard. So uh, that was a, that was probably, I think it's kind of tied for my favorite episode of the three that I've seen so far. My, the one it's tied with is uh, called Archangel. Um, this one, I'll, I'll read the synopsis. After nearly losing her daughter, a mother invests in a new technology that allows her to keep track of her. So this one was directed by Jodie Foster. And uh, just like it says in the synopsis, like this mother in the opening of the, of the episode, she almost loses her daughter at a playground. She freaks out. There's this new technology out there where you can put like an implant in your kid. And you can basically, through like an iPad-like device, can kind of monitor them. And, you know, you can you can also kind of like filter um, their life for them. <laughs> so basically, you get a prompt on the, on the iPad that tells you, oh, like their stress levels are rising. And you can kind of like, like basically filter out whatever it is that's causing them stress. So like, for example, in one, in one scene, it's a dog barking. So when, when the daughter looks at the dog, it just, it's all pixelated. Like you would get like in a, a nude scene that's playing on cable TV or something, like they'll just filter it out. So it's a really interesting concept, like the whole concept of like helicopter parenting, which I've joked in the past that Mia and I are sort of helicopter parents. We would never take it this far, obviously, and it's kind of interesting to see where it goes. Um, the only thing I would knock the episode is I feel like it's pretty predictable where it's heading, and I don't think like it sticks to landing, but overall I still really enjoyed it. Um, and the last one was called Crocodile. A woman interviews various people using a device that allows her to access their memories. This one's concept, like the technological aspect of it, I I liked, but I I... I don't, unless it went completely over my head, I felt like it was pretty straightforward. Like, Neil, do you agree? Do you remember this episode? So, so run me by the, the plot of Crocodile again. A woman interviews various people using a device that allows her to access their memories. So it's like um, it's like this woman. She's like an insurance adjuster, and she's trying to... Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of it's, 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 it kind of reminded me of Vantage Point, that film where you've, you've got, obviously, the same incident from various different angles and I, I you you knew where that one was going because i didn't i just went for the ride but i wasn't trying to find out where it was going but yeah I, Rick... it's not necessarily that i knew where that one was going but like i felt like i don't know what the, the commentary necessarily was in this one like i don't feel like this technology like sometimes i feel like the episodes feature technology either in a good light or a bad light i felt like this one was potentially like i don't see the downside of this <laughs> Like, I feel like this is something that could actually benefit society. <laughs> I don't know. Or insurers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, it, it just felt like it, it was more of like a moral quandary than it was like a like a technological one. I don't know. It, it was kind of a weird episode. Like, it was actually directed by um, John Hillcoat, who directed The Road and, um, you know, other films. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it was okay. It's not bad. It's just... It was just a little straightforward for what I usually expect from, you know, a, a show like Black Mirror. And then lastly, I watched My Christmas Gift <gasps> from Tim. Yeah. Tim was kind enough to gift me uh, a Criterion film called David Lynch, The Art Life. What did you think? I liked it quite a bit. Um, though I will put a little asterisk on that and say that. <laughs> If you're not like a mega Lynch fan, um, like I am, and I know Wally is as well, like I wouldn't recommend this to everyone because I mean, basically you just kind of. Well, what the heck? Sorry, did you guys hear that? Yeah. 
Uh, it was my son crashing into my bedroom door. Nice. <laughs> oh, he's doing it again. Sorry, guys. He's a juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> Here's Johnny. <laughs> oh, my God. If I see an axe come through that door, I'm freaking out. Um, but, yeah, like I was saying, like, you know, it, it's it's definitely for big David Lynch fans. Like, it's basically, you know, it's like, it was a crowdfunded um, uh, it was crowdfunded on Kickstarter to get it made, I think, back in 2015, just coming out, um, I think, at the end of last year, I believe. Um, and basically, it's just interviewing David Lynch. He kind of chronicles his creative journey, basically. Like, he talks about his early life and moving around with his parents, um, some of the things that inspired him. Um, just kind of, and you just kind of see, like, you know, how he started off as, like, a painter and kind of how that led him into wanting to tackle a more, um, like, a, a film, uh, like, do, like starting off doing short films. And then, you know, eventually, like, I, you know, he starts doing music as well. Um, it's not the most informative, <laughs> like, documentary, uh, interview style documentary I've ever seen. Because, like, much like his films, he doesn't give away a lot. Like, he kind of briefly talks about... You know, like his siblings, uh, his his mother and father. There there are some amusing uh, anecdotes, like with his father how, and how he perceived uh, David Lynch's art the first time, and basically told them, "You probably shouldn't have kids." <laughs> like you know, that was his reaction hmm. to seeing like David Lynch's work and stuff like that, like his own son's work. So, you know, it's amusing on that level. Um, I, I was kind of shocked to see like it opens up with him sitting in his studio, and, and there's like this little girl that walks in, looks like she's like three years old. And I'm like, oh, is that like his granddaughter or something? And supposedly it's his daughter. <laughs> I'm like, what? David Lynch is like 71, 72 years old, and he has like a, a three-year-old daughter? Yeah, I had no idea. There's plenty of and those uh, old men who have uh, young young kids. Yeah, apparently his fourth wife is like two years younger than me, <laughs> which is kind of shocking to find that out as well. So, uh, But yeah, it, it's if you it, like I said, if you're a big David Lynch fan, uh, there's, a, there's a little bit in here as far as like seeing some of his early stuff and kind of seeing like how it all started for you know somebody i mean like i said if you really appreciate the guy it's it's really interesting to see his early stuff kind of how he appreciate uh approaches his art and stuff like that so i would definitely recommend it to like david lynch fans but not many others than, than that so it's a yay for that all these people come from walter can i help you gentlemen Wait, have you seen walter yes he's tending some business right now how can i help you what's going on here hey guys what is all this say hello to the new ftw casino the w stands for wins where did you get all these machines and tables from a small loan a loan yeah a little startup cash from some guys I met up last time I was in New York. Even had enough left over to hire Neil. Wait, you're in on this too? I got in on the ground level, son. I'm getting paid. Before you get too mad, Tim, think about what podcast is always a safe bet. Oh, I know. The Inception Film Podcast. 
That's right, Tim. The In Session Film Podcast is JD and Brendan. Mm, I'd love to comp Brendan if you know what I mean. Uh, what was that, Tim? What? No, nothing, nothing. Each week, the In Session Film Podcast chooses a movie to review. Then creates a top three list based on what they just saw. This week, the In Session Film Podcast is reviewing Call Me By Your Name. And a top three list of the funniest scenes of 2017. You can find their show on iTunes by searching for, you guessed it, the In Session Film Podcast. Or on the web at InSessionFilm.com. So if you're in the mood for more great movie reviews and discussion, then check out the In Session Film Podcast on iTunes. Or on the web at InSessionFilm.com. Uh, Wally, you really need to get these machines out of here so we can record the show. No, I don't think we should. Well, we need to do the show. Walter, you need to get these things out of here right now. Neil, can you can you handle this? I'm going to go see what's going on at table 104. Okay, lads, time to go. Well, you're our guest this week. You heard him. Time to go. Let's not get crazy in here. Walter, get back here. Ow. Ow. No, no. Hey, come on. Okay, now it is time for our trailer hitches. This is the segment where we mention a trailer that either gets us on board for an upcoming movie or makes us want to bitch. Uh, Neil, you and I will tag team this one. Oh, are we? Yes. All right, let's go for it then. What is it? It's, it is Death Wish with um, Bruce Willis. Have I told you I love you? Yes, Dad, you've told me like a billion times. Honey? Can you please come down here? Doc, something has happened. You can't go in there. Dad, where's Mom? my family i failed to protect them i'm sorry dr kersey nothing yet so there's nothing that i can do is that what you're saying can have faith how'd faith work out for them if a man really wants to protect what's his he has to do it for himself the men who did it are out there i'm gonna hunt them down one by one. I had homies in the 11th grade doing gun trades out at the dock. We're closed, pal. You're Joey, right? Yeah. Well, kill my wife! Who else was there? I don't know anything else. You're not gonna kill me. No. Jack is. Can't deny me now. You got caught in some crossfire? Yeah. He said next time it ain't gonna be my leg. You are gonna be all right, I promise. Hold on, there's no other way they can stop me now. Everybody's watching this viral video. Is this dude right for taking the law into his own hands? Hey! Is he a hero? He saved my life. 
is it wrong? You're cocked, locked, and ready to work. I'll say. Someone took my wife. Everyone involved is going to pay. You look much better getting out socializing. Mm. Not so much. Well, whatever you're doing, keep it up. <laughs> okay, I will. Uh, Bruce Willis stars in Death Wish, and it's directed by Eli Roth. There's loads of other people that we know in there, including Vincent D'Onofrio and also Elizabeth Shue, who I haven't seen since uh, she was Ralph Macchio's boyfriend in uh, girlfriend in The Karate Kid. Um, and um, this is another needless remake, shall I say? It's a remake of an uh, exploitation film from uh 1974 uh starring uh charles bronson and directed by michael winner it's a rape revenge murder revenge film it 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 sits on the most base of uh, motivations and um i just i just don't think it needs to be remade it's an it's a horrible little film in the the original and it's just a tired concept neil apparently you didn't pay attention to our discussion of the original death wish uh, last year I didn't um, clearly. <laughs> in which I, well, I think that all of us came away somewhat middling on it, maybe slightly positive, you know, uh, in kind of recognizing the error that it was made and how a bit mm. politically incorrect it was. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I think we also said that if there's a movie that could be remade, I think this one could be done if it was done well and updated for the time it was. Uh, that it is, and maybe some social commentary type of thing. Um, Did you guys mention the director? Uh, oh, Eli Roth, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't get you excited, Neil? No, not at all, because director I just think he, he, he predicates on the most exploitative of themes, and that's becoming you know more and more his thing. And um, I think he did something interesting with Knock Knock, where, once again, it was an exploitation film, but it went in some somewhere different. The Green Inferno, you could argue that parts of that are a remake of Zombie Holocaust, uh, Cannibal Holocaust, even. Um, and I just think this constant reinvention of things just is it's unnecessary. Death Wish, when it came out in 1974, was regarded as a very middling film. Um, why are we remaking very middling films from 30 years ago just because they're notorious? Um, you know, I'm looking at the film slate this year and I'm seeing there's a fucking remake of Overboard. You remember that shit film in 87 with sure. Goldie Horn and Kurt Russell where she falls over? She's very rich. She falls yes, off yeah, the back of the Yeah, but they're flipping the script, Neil, this time. This time it's a guy that falls overboard. Oh, my God. How 2018? <laughs> Neil, you know uh, I hate that shit. This is Hollywood in a nutshell. That's all they fucking do. They're like, hey, wait, a girl fell off the first time? Let's make it a guy this time. We're creative. <laughs> but yeah, come on. We, we all hate that shit. And uh, if this last year in, in terms of commercial Hollywood films has shown us that there is now this groundswell to, to change and, and push interesting stories and new stories forward, I just think that why are we make, remaking films that were shit well, in the past I, just in, in the hope that they might be good well when you talk about violence inner city violence and and um revenge and uh becoming a vigilante i think there's room for interesting social commentary from what i see in the trailer i don't think that it's going to be doing that i see that the screenplay is by joe carnahan how much of the original his original screenplay uh makes it through to the final product 
I'm not sure. Uh, I don't trust Eli Roth to uh, be successful in what maybe Joe Carnahan's original vision would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and like I said, and I've said this constantly. I'm I I don't have anything against remakes. You know, remakes have been right. happening since the dawn of cinema, essentially. And and I I, I just think that if you're going to do a remake, at least try to update it for today's sensibilities. Okay. I don't think that but this Tim, movie... This is, this, is, this, this is two steps shuffle away from being taken for. Really. Possibly. Like, possibly. It is. Am, am I still interested in seeing it? Sure. Will I see it in the theaters? Maybe not. Depends on uh, what I'm doing that weekend and because and, uh, I have movie pass, so I, I won't feel guilty about it. Uh, but, um, I, I mean, I'll probably catch it uh, when it comes streaming to Netflix or maybe uh, a library uh, DVD, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's just one of those films that I've just seen too many of a uh, member of my family gets killed or taken or whatever it may be. I've seen Liam Neeson in 15 different iterations of the same fucking story for the last f- t- t- 10 years, only the f- of, of which the first was any good. Um, do I need to see Bruce Willis doing the same thing? And less, uh, Bruce Willis has been doing the same thing. Um, trying to think of a couple of ha- home invasion films where all oh, films hostage. Off- hostage. There we go. It's a good movie. Um, it's okay. It's a good movie. But it's it's the same fucking story, just told in a different manner. I I just I just really feel that there's just more. It's not. It's become a genre in itself, though, hasn't it? And that's how ridiculous it's got. Um, I I don't know. I will probably give it a wide berth as as you would. Uh, I won't go out my way to watch it in the cinema. I'll catch up on with it if it if I hear any good news <laughs> from people who I trust. Um you know, in the interim period, but I, I won't be going out my way. Do you, it, if of all intents and purposes, a trailer looks like die hard, whatever, six, whatever we're on at the moment. Yeah. Do, uh, do you, do you trust my opinion, Neil? I do. I'll, I'll be, I'll have, be listening out for it. Tim, have when you're you there s- with your movie pass ticket have, front row on opening night. Have you seen Geostorm yet? <laughs> no, okay. Not. Then case closed. Wally, what do you got? All right. I'm jumping off uh, uh, Neil's train here. Uh, because what I saw in this trailer is uh, it's going to mirror uh, Neil's feelings on this. Uh, there's a series that they're pitching that uh, I don't know which channel it's supposed to be on. But NBC. It was NBC? Yeah. Uh, called AP Bio, starring Glenn Howerton and Patton Oswalt. A former philosophy professor takes a job teaching AP Biology and uses his students to get back at the people in his life who have wronged him. Ugh. So, I love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I do. I think the show is absolutely hilarious. But this is just basically the same thing. Except rather than have uh, friends in a bar who do terrible things, it's going to be this teacher doing terrible things with students. (laughs) It's all needs to be said about this. This is absolute trash. Don't even bother. I love Patton Oswalt. I love Glenn Howerton. But this is a train wreck from the very beginning and... I, I really hope it doesn't get picked up because this is going to be absolute trash. Fair enough. Hermano. All right. Well, leave it to me to bring the creativity that is, the originality that is kickboxer retaliation. <laughs> the sixth, I believe, maybe even the seventh in the series, the kickboxer series that initially starred Jean-Claude Van Damme. 
Um, this one stars uh, Elaine Moosey, Christopher Lambert, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Mike Tyson, <laughs> and the guy that plays the mountain on Game of Thrones. Um, I have to do a Bjornsson. Yes, him. Uh, supposed strongest man on on the planet. Um, so from what I gather, the last film had uh, David Batista in it as the bad guy. And it seems like that seems to be their thing in the Kickboxer series. It's like they got to find someone bigger than the previous guy each film. When was the last Kickboxer I, you saw? Uh, I think it was maybe three. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> three or four. I can't remember. It's when It's the one that starred that guy that was on that. Uh, family show on ABC in like the 90s. I can't remember the name of the show. All in the family. No, not on family. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't family matter. matters? His name was like Sasha Mitchell, maybe. I don't know. Anyways. Something like that. Anyway, uh, this one starred, like I said, I think the bad guy, the main bad guy is the mountain. Um, Jean Cobb and Dam is in this. I have no idea if this follows the, uh, if this is like a new. Um, series of events because spoiler i'm pretty sure jean claude van damme dies in the beginning of the second one yeah I believe it, he... it is it is it is they rebooted the entire series in 2016 starting with kickbox of vengeance then they made armageddon and now retaliation okay wow neil you know a lot about these have you seen them all <laughs> fucking happened <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, you know I, as a fan of the original kickboxer it gets me on that level. I don't know I mean, if this is like playing just randomly on TV and I, I, all I had to do was turn the channel and it's on, I may stick around and watch it. Um, but I, I don't know. Like it, it, it was amusing to see uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Mike Tyson on screen together. And they're both, I guess, taking turns training this guy to try to fight the mountain. Uh, it's a, it's a very cliche story of someone who swears never to fight again, but somehow is dragged back in and has to fight. So, you know, originality and all that jazz. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a, a Mitch. <laughs> no, mild hitch. I, I, I think I probably would see it, but I probably have to catch up with the others like Neil has. <laughs> I love the first three kickboxer films in the original trilogy, um, just for the record. <laughs> so Hi, I'm David Hart, host of Pop Culture Case Study, a podcast that analyzes film from a psychological angle. On Thursdays, we take a look at an older movie, pick a theme, and then apply the research that has been in the psychological field to it. Then on Monday, we tie all of that to a new release. Lastly, there's a section of the show called Fangirl Fixation, dedicated to my wife Britt's ongoing film education. We discuss older films that she's recently seen, as well as the upcoming releases for that week. You can find Pop Culture Case Study on your podcast player of choice, and I will be there, as always, diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. Why 
Why haven't you seen To Kill a Mockingbird? I was too busy rewatching the Marvel Cinematic Universe films again. Why haven't you seen Mad Max? Do you know how hard it is to track down a copy of The Return of Captain Invincible? Why haven't you seen The Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Did you know that Road to Perdition was originally a comic book? Just Just go with big body with <laughs> This is Bubba Wheat from Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights, and on each episode of FilmWise, my guest introduces me to a film that they're passionate about and I've never seen before, and in return, I introduce them to a comic book or superhero film that they're curious about. Find it every other week at FilmWise.com, iTunes, or Stitcher. Okay, let's talk about Molly's game. Is he cheating? No. How would you know? I know. He and Diego aren't in bed together? No. What about him and you? A 52-card deck produces hundreds of millions of random patterns. But every time one of you loses two weeks in a row, you're sure something fishy's going on? Come on. I'm going to stop paying you. What do you mean? As my assistant. I'm not firing you. I'm just going to stop paying you. You get paid once a week from the game. It doesn't seem fair. But I also have a job working for you 24 hours a day. And if you didn't have a, a job, you wouldn't have the game. You understand what I'm saying? I understand each of the words that you're saying, but I don't understand Look. what you're... 24 hours a day, every day. You're going to stop paying me to do that job because I'm making too much money doing my second job? And if I say no, I'll lose both jobs because it doesn't seem fair? This is bad right now. Welcome to the real world. The plot, the true story of Molly Bloom, an Olympic-class skier who ran the world's most exclusive high-stakes poker game and became an FBI target. The writer and director, Aaron Sorkin. The actors, Jessica Chastain, Idris Elba, Kevin Costner, and Jessica Chastain's breasts. Neil. Yes. Were you as taken by Jessica Chastain's breasts as I was? I think they're rather prominent in this film. Um, they weren't my primary concern. Um, oh, really? Going through the no, really, they weren't my primary concern Are throughout sure? the whole film. They were, they were very distracting. Yes. And they were very much in your face. Um, but once again, it's all about the story for me, and not the size of the bosom. So there we are. That's a, that's a mantra that will go on my um, gravestone. So what did you think about the film, Neil? <laughs> okay. Um, I think it's uh, a bit of a falter for me in terms of Sorkin's work. Um, I didn't think it's up to his uh, high grade, and I think he's becoming a little bit of a pastiche of himself in terms of perhaps some of his tropes, including the way he tries to fit 10 scenes into one block of dialogue that goes on for five minutes uninterrupted. Um, And I understand what he's trying to do, and I understand what what he's trying to achieve there. Uh, but sometimes it can get a bit much. I think he's very uncompromising when it comes to explaining technical aspects um, 
I watched this in a large group of people, some of which who've never played poker, had an interest in poker before, found it quite alienating that some of the terminology wasn't broken down for them and they felt that they lost something in the interpretation of the film and in, in those intense moments where it's uh, you know played out on screen. So um, it's, a, it's a middling sort of take for me on Molly's game. I, I thought that the story was um, especially compelling, but obviously there's quite a lot of... Um, uh, he's taken a lot of liberty with the actual truth uh, of, of Molly Bloom's story. I mean, there's a lot more that could have been told in there. I think the performances were absolutely outstanding from both uh, Chastain and Elba in the two leads. Uh, Costner, well, well, we'll come on to that a bit later. But it's a, it's a probably a middle to yay for me on this film overall. Uh, so, Neil, uh, the three of us on this side actually got to see this movie together in the same theater at the same time. Can you believe it? How did that happen? How did that happen? Uh, it was... Uh, it's aligned, is a, what a, happened. A miracle of nature. <laughs> uh, they, they dragged me out of the house. Did they? <laughs> by, your, by your neck or by your willy or by, by my your beard. beard? The beard. It's by always the beard. beard. The beard. Yeah. Always the beard. Yeah. Yeah. Got you on the beard roll. Uh, Hermano, you sat to my right. I did. Uh, I didn't look over to you too much, but uh, did you nod off at all? I did not. I was wide awake. I drank some coffee beforehand. Oh, Thanks yeah? for asking. Okay. Uh, so you didn't even have to go to the bathroom for all two hours and 20 minutes of it. Surprising. No, I was good. Yeah. I got a large bladder. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I have a small one. A bladder, that is. Uh, <laughs> Hermano. I'm going to isolate that out, Wally. Hermano. <laughs> um, so uh, I think I'm going to probably side with Neil a bit. Um I haven't thought much about the film since we saw it on Saturday five days ago. Spoiler alert, same. Yeah, I, and that's usually a bad sign. I, I mean, I, I feel like uh, Neil's right on. It's, it's kind of a pretty standard fare as far as uh, these types of movies that deal with, you know, characters that seemingly have it all, you know, eventually have a downfall slash, you know, movies that somewhat revolve around the game of poker. You know, in kind of framed, uh, I don't know if you guys felt this, it felt a lot like a Scorsese film with the narration and the way uh, characters are broken down in individual scenes. Like, you know, like, specifically Goodfellas, like, it, it seemed very similar to, like, the structure of Goodfellas in oh, you should, kind of the whole downfall aspect. You should watch I, Tanya, then. Uh, you know... Uh, no, go ahead, continue. But yeah, uh, you should you should watch I Tanya because if you want something that apes uh, Goodfellas, that's that's a movie right there. Okay, I, I know that there's been a lot of like up and coming directors recently that have been kind of accused of that. I wouldn't say that Aaron Sorkin necessarily is completely at fault there for that, but it, it it you can't help but think of it, you know, in the way you know the narration plays out and the way the story is told. So <clears throat> I'll agree with Neil as well as far as like Sorkin, he is kind of becoming a parody of himself, like kind of in the way. Um, people uh, lobby it at um, uh, fuck Tree of Life director <laughs> Terrence Malick. Terrence Malick. You know, like you could just—it's it, so identifiable when you see a Terrence Malick film. You just see a scene, you're like, "Oh, this seems very Terrence Malick." Like, like Aaron Sorkin, the way he writes dialogue, and I—I I, I think in the past I've kind of accused him of being kind of overwriting characters. I think he's guilty of that a bit in here. Like when you have like Jessica Chastain have to recite a line where she says, like, I don't have the emotional bandwidth. I fucking <laughs> groaned so loud. I was like, come on, man. Like, that's so overwriting a character. No one talks like that. I don't do any of you guys know anyone that's ever said emotional bandwidth. 
Nope. No, and I also don't know anybody who's ever used the word damn it to start a sentence. <laughs> uh, Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Like, I still, it's small bit pick. Otherwise, I think there are good writing moments in here. Like, Idris Elba has a great monologue in, in a scene when he's dealing with some uh, prosecutors. I thought that was a pretty solid scene. Some of the back and forth between him and Jessica Chastain is really well written. Good performances from both of them. Kevin Costner is Kevin Costner, you know. He doesn't give us a performance as much as he's he's Kevin Costner, you know. Like he's he, he seems like one of those guys that's fully settled into the I'm at the end of my career. I'm just gonna come in, collect a paycheck, and go buy a yacht. Well, or you got that right. You got that right. <laughs> um, so I mean, overall, like aside from saying, you know, the direction again, like he, Aaron Sorn, this being his first directorial thing I, I don't think that it like blew me away it doesn't really have a signifier like something that I could be like oh wow like that seems like he put kind of a stamp on this this is maybe going to be a thing I, to look out for for Aaron Sorkin for the next thing he directs you know what I mean like you can I don't know like it was just okay it was serviceable it wasn't bad it wasn't great it was just good I guess uh, but overall like I said haven't thought much about the film I thought it was okay just, just gets chesting I'll echo what Tim says she's beautiful woman you know like she's nice to look at not my first and foremost thing i went to you know wanting to see when i when i saw this film i thought it was going to be a little deeper than that but overall i, I just thought it was okay speaking of aaron sorkin's credits I, I just found out that he is having an adaptation of a few good men as a live action tv movie on nbc this year what what <laughs> what like no i mean like live on air like uh, it's going to be a live show like Damn that TV it. show, Rock. Like a terrible idea. It does sound like a terrible idea. I, I'm, I'm not so sure about this one. Uh, Wally, you sat to my left, and I did. I did look over at you at one point uh, when Kevin Costner came on screen towards the end of the movie, and I looked over at you specifically for the purpose of, like, is this really happening? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was my question too. Um, <laughs> But uh, you guys have not mentioned just the uh, the sheer the sheer power of of seeing Ildris Elba oh, and Jessica Chastain so on the screen at the same time. Oh my God, my like, they, I'm surprised there were faces not melting in the audience that there there wasn't there wasn't tornadoes and ghosts. What did you say about have, a boner afterwards? No, pe- people's boners don't know which way to go. They, they, they do they go to Ildris Elba? Do they go to Jessica? And they're con- people are confused. It's it's gorgeous. Uh, it's it's that too much. That being said, this movie is saved by the fact that it is Jessica Chastain and Idris Elba because their performances carry this movie. Mm-hmm. They yeah. and they do all the heavy lifting. Yep. This movie, I think, I don't think Aaron Sorkin should have directed this movie. I think this movie and this story would have better been handled by a woman director. You forgot yeah, Michael Sarah, is... by the way. <laughs> the power of Michael Sarah. Uh, this is very. This is a very female-centric movie, especially. Uh, I don't know if it's a spoiler when she starts to line herself with more women and, and uh, you know decides to stand on her own. And I don't think a man's touch in this in this in this movie does does this any justice. I think this would be a better suited with a different director. And I think this movie suffers because of because I think overall, once you get through the confusing bits, because I didn't realize what the story was actually about and where they were going with this until about three quarters of the way through the movie, when they finally laid out what the plan, what the what the prosecution plan was for this. 
as the story builds up, they, they really muddy the waters, and that doesn't help this movie either. So it this movie, unfortunately, it's it's they went they went for the name, and in in doing so, they shot themselves in the foot when they could have gone with a a much more a much better and more equipped director to direct a movie like this. You know, it's funny that you I never even considered that. And that is a great point, Wally. I think you're absolutely right. I think, uh, if, if someone was able to work with a script by Aaron Sorkin and, and, and Aaron Sorkin is probably, you know, too close to his own material there, you know, and yes. maybe somebody like Patty Jenkins, you know, who exactly not only did Wonder Woman, but also did a couple episodes of The Killing, which is a female centric show. Or and Catherine Bigelow. Well, no, I, I'm not sure, sure about Catherine Bigelow. I, I, I don't know. I, I, and it's a shame that, you know, I, I don't have enough women directors on the tip of my tongue to be able to to recall. You Anna know. Lily Amapor. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe a little uh, too slow paced, though. You know, you need something uh, a little more kinetic. Tina Fey. You haven't seen The Bad Batch, Tim? I haven't. No, I haven't. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, yeah, I'm in line with you guys. This is going to be a boring discussion. I, I Honestly, this is like the worst kind of movie to have as a feature discussion because I'm just not that passionate about it. There's, there's, I, I don't hate it, and I don't love it. I'm just very indifferent towards it. and and Because there's nothing truly special here outside of Jessica Chastain's spectacular breasts. They are real and they are spectacular. They are gorgeous. They are a character. They are characters unto themselves. They are amazing. I will continue to praise Jessica Chastain's breasts in this episode because they are great. And so is Idris Elba. He is beautiful. And you're right, Wally. Just seeing them, both of them on screen, I've. Uh, man. Uh, fireproof uh, underwear. Um. I don't know. I don't have. I don't really have much to say about this movie because it's 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 it inconsequ- It feels inconsequential. It feels it feels like it's um, trying. It does feel like it's trying to reach for more than what it, it can handle. I guess I, I don't know it, it, because th- there's there are moments in here like, well, give me more of that. Like when she does go to New York City and she and she's giving this uh, voiceover of how she meets these models. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Oh, give me more of that. How did you meet these people? How did you get in touch with these people? Mm. They're Playboy models. You can't have just bumped into them and then, and then. No, uh, this, this, this is. This, you're right. You're right, Tim. It does need a bit more flesh underneath the bones. Um, and they could have gotten it, that remind, from Jessica Chastain's cleavage. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of that sort of snap, 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 snap sort of. Uh, direction that you got well Guy Ritchie sort of is famous for it in these lock stock films where you went then we did this then we did that then we did this and then it was sort of adapted by Soderbergh with the Ocean's Eleven where you got this very slick sort of and then we got all this together and then we got the gang together and then we got you know do you know what I mean that sort of direction where the story sort of all comes together with it's, it's inconsequential as you said you know where there's no hitches involved until you know you get to the Russian Wait, what, mafia so what is what is this movie even about what is the point of this movie I don't even understand the, the the message of this movie the point of it because it seems so by the end like what were the stakes what happened that's exactly the point that I was making that the mud the water in this movie the the it's so muddy that you don't it doesn't become clear until the end that the whole idea is that she's she did everything right and the government's trying to make an example out of her because they want the bigger fish I guess that's it that's that that is literally it. 
I guess, but it, it, no, it, it, no, I, I disagree. I think the, the 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 point of the story is that she has a very poor relationship with her father, and and she went oh, away really? and, and did this whole thing to prove him wrong and prove really? that she is a winner like the rest of her siblings. No kidding. And that's well, but, yeah, but, yeah, it holds that. your hand there at the end too. Like it really holds the audience's hand when that scene with Kevin Costner. It's like it basically spells everything out for you. Where like initially, I just thought everything she was doing was based around like the bad relationships with like all the men in her life. Cause I mean, almost every single relationship she had with a man was a negative one. Like she perceived her father's relationship to be bad. Her boss was terrible to her. The Michael Sarah character fucks her over. She just felt like she was just someone who had been kicked and spit on repeatedly. And she finally decided to build something on her own. And she just had one small misstep and it all fell apart. And that's that's where Wally's point of having a woman director to be able to handle that that aspect of of the the continued um, either uh, misogyny or or just lack of career respect or lack of social respect, you know, to be able to uh, un- make us understand that and feel that a little bit more would have helped greatly, you know, because I while I do get that and I do understand. Uh, that's what she went through. I never got any emotional stakes or impact in this movie at all. She no, feels a bit cold. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Neil. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, the way she, she plays her character, especially later, it, it's like a bit cold. You never really feel like the film lets you get really close to her. Like, she just feels bitter because of that accident that happened during her, her tryouts or whatever for uh, the Olympics. Uh, she feels like, you know, she never really had a life of her own. Like she was just kind of bred to be this world-class skier. And when that kind of falls apart, she just kind of decides. And it's weird because the, the film depicts her as like having all these opportunities laid out in front of her, all these different directions she can go, all like just legit things. Like she can go to law school, she can go do this, she can go do that. And for some, whatever reason, she decides that she just wants to just spend some time in you know, discover life for herself. Like she just decides to kind of become a, a waitress and just kind of go to the West Coast and get away from the snow. And it, it just feels like everything just kind of happens to her. Like, and she just kind of starts to um, get sucked into like this easy money. And it, it just feels weird. It feels like, I don't know, like, like almost like she's rebelling in a way, like against like the way her father raised her. You know? Yawn. <laughs> Yawn. No, I, 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 I completely agree with you, Humano. What's interesting to a couple of things then that we haven't touched upon. What's interesting about this film is obviously Jessica Chastain as a person outside of the character uh, of Molly here is uh, an advocate for women. Um, and she's very vocal about that in all of the things that she does, uh, whether that be on social media or in her interviews. Um, Molly's game sidelines every single female character apart from herself. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a positive thing or a, or a negative thing, but I'm it certainly for not, me didn't do any many favors. I'm not entirely sure if I agree with you because, it, while every other female character may be supporting a supporting role, like her bra has to support her magnificent breasts, um, it, I I I think that that the, she, as in the character of Molly, does everything to support uh, them. To to hold them up to uh, their uh, their uh, jobs essentially, you know, and and show and show respect, make sure that everybody shows respect towards them, you know, and and sure, but then name me one other character that's fleshed out that. Oh, no, no, I, I I agree. There's like not I, a single person. There there is that helper called B 
towards the end of the film yeah. who you know gives her a bit of a heads up but that's not the point but, of this movie because the, the it, i mean the point is to follow molly and so i i don't sure but, but but why aren't there other women surely she would have encountered other women in her way that there is a hint that this b character there was more of a relationship there but this is the problem with sorkin's film it's yeah. very very selective i'm not sure if this is in the source material by Molly Bloom's book, but she definitely, definitely exercises piece, pieces out of the story and makes uh, it elicits that response from you because it's very calculatingly done. She t- chops and changes her story. I'm sure there's more to the Russian mafia than meets the eye. Yeah. She had several relationships with some of the players which are not shown on screen at all it's completely gone from the story okay and it's 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 very very engineered to elicit a certain response from the audience and that that is of a sympathetic journey to um have a father-daughter relationship Um, i agree i agree that the it's it's a very very cynical yeah it's also a very manipulative movie you know it it, it makes you try to uh, side with her at all costs and and you're right while i was watching this movie i was like well wait a minute what she seems to be at fault she doesn't seem to be telling all the all the facts giving all the truth you know but you know i'm wondering though when you talk about liberties and in uh, in a story versus reality, does that matter? You know, does that matter? You know, you can talk about how a movie is crafted, uh, and and how it makes you feel at the end. But uh, do do you think having all the facts in in a in a biopic is is necessary? And uh, no, but no, I, I I don't think it is necessary. But I do think that because this story had little else going for it, it just needed that detail just to give me a little bit more of a feel that Molly is not just a, a slightly 2D character. There was not an awful lot to Molly. She was a very determined woman who was very determined to, to do what she wanted to achieve. Um, and she got caught doing it. That's all I know about Molly. I don't know about the foibles and and her her failures in her life apart from the skiing obviously i just wish there was and i think it, it, wally is 100% on the money here it needed a woman's touch it needed a woman to direct this film someone like Catherine hardwick maybe mm. um you know suzanne beer lone Scherfig, some someone like that of that caliber just to come in and go right this is how women act this is how women speak this is what women do this is how she probably played it i i, I think it's a, a male glaze over the top and it, it's it's detrimental to the film yeah. I'll, I'll disagree a little bit about the idea of uh, leaving things out of like, something that's like a biopic. Like there was a little bit of criticism towards the the um, straight out of Compton film and the way it, partic- um, it depicted Dr. Dre and how it basically only portrayed him glowingly for the most part and left out all the negative stuff that happened in that current time frame. I feel like sometimes if you're all, all the in, only purpose is to not like feature everything even the negative stuff because that stuff shapes a person as well like to, to just leave out things because you don't like the way it makes you look i think that kind of betrays your story yeah, like i mean what's the point to just portray her in a good light like if she did bad things i mean and that's kind of what cost her everything like why just make it seem like she just made this this one little goof Right, and would, that was really the downfall when it was really something much larger. Would the real Molly Bloom only sign her story off to a, a film studio if uh, they kept out certain things? You know, if they glossed over certain things? So, Spoiler here, she, she, she had $200,000 to pay off by the end of this movie, which is unresolved. Yeah, yeah. Wally, any thoughts? 
this movie also highlights just how how awesome Jessica Chastain and Idris are, are actors and actresses. Yep. Because they did all of their scenes in ten days, <laughs> yeah. forty five pages in the first six days. Yeah, and we're rehearsing before each shot, like before each shooting, because their schedules are so tight. That's amazing. It is. You're to right. Get those kind of to get those performances, like. I, I, however, I it does see, it, it does seem at times that a lot of their scenes go on for a really extended period of time and and like they're really attempting to cover a lot of ground in their screen time together. You know, you reference Neil that monologue. There's also their initial meeting and and oh you have to get the the relationship with the daughter, you know, and uh, see the 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 differences and similarities of Idris Elba and and the relationship of with his daughter versus how Jessica Chastain how Molly Bloom uh, you know views it and compares it and and of course they have to comment on that and they have a long discussion together you know so you, you I think it also hinders maybe the flow of the film because you know there are so many other scenes and uh, that are that cover uh, other periods of time that are edited quickly, you know, uh, mm. spliced together quickly, uh, go on for shorter periods of time that, that is, that kind of makes the other ones with the two of them stand out a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. They, there are scenes in, of which are quite heavy that do drag on for a bit. If we go back to our criticisms of this film and I've, I'd say the, the major one for me and I, and I'm, feel like i'm shitting on this film from a great height i'm not i actually enjoyed this film for most for the most part the biggest misstep for me uh was the ice skating scene oh my god which is the fucking worst thing how and it stands out like a thought sore thumb how, as a plot device how does aaron sorkin say yeah i'm cool with that i'm good with that in the in <laughs> in the writing in the directing in the editing room at least three stages of, of filmmaking he's like yeah i'm cool that's good yeah i'm like what what is going on here? Yeah, that as soon is, as I, is the yeah. dumbest thing in this movie is 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 that bit of all the places in New York City, in <laughs> uh, a, a city where millions of people come and go, you know to be there. What are you, the fucking Batman? <laughs> Only Batman does that. When she when she first sees him and she trips, I'm like, oh, okay, so that's just like. She saw somebody else who thought, and she, she thought that was out. him. That's you what know, I thought. and I'm Same like, man. okay, you, that that's good because that would be bad. And then all of a sudden, yes, it. I'm like, that's when I looked <laughs> over at you, Ollie. I'm like, is this really happening? Wait, are we are we not going to talk about how fake it looked? <laughs> yeah, like, fuck me. It looked so bad. I thought you guys were commenting on that, not the idea that it was ridiculous that Kevin Costner found her. In the city of New York, uh, just like that. But like, it looked so bad. Like the green screen work. Like obviously, she. I'm. I'm assuming she can't ice skate for real, so they had to uh, green screen her in and stuff. But it looked terrible, man. Like really, really bad. I was more focused really bad on that. Yeah, I was more focused on the editing of it. I, I didn't no, no notice really any green screen work. I was just seeing how how poorly edited that to to hide her skating looked. Yeah, no, the green screen is fucking atrocious. To be fair, lads, the first warning sign for me was I haven't heard the song These Dreams by heart in 20 years. And as soon as I heard that coming in, I knew we were in trouble. It's in uh, Neil's DJ rotation now. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of needle drops, a lot of uh, um, specific song drops in here, aren't there? 
There are there are loads loads and uh, you know at one point I was expecting to hear firework by K. E. Perry coming in. It wouldn't have been out of place either. Hmm. But you know, um, for for all the you know the bad things about it, I I do think it has a sense of time very well. It, it jumps from time to time to time, backwards and forwards, you know, left, right, and centre. And I think that Sorkin's script actually deals with the sense of time very well. Um, and and the way he places these characters in those situations, you do understand at any given point where you are in the story, even though he's jumping, you know, to the back, to the beginning, to the end, and wherever it may be. I, I think I think he does. He that's very very accomplished for him. Does does anyone else agree? I guess. Yeah, I, I, I think that I think that's actually handled fairly well through this movie. I would agree. Sure. I was just too focused on Jessica Chastain's spectacular breasts. I mean, just you're um, gonna get so many people mad at you, Tim. What Jesus mad? What? Who's mad? <laughs> Who would be mad at me pointing out her her very real and amazing and spectacular cleavage and breasts? Because you've mentioned it more than her acting ability. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But I, I have uh, also uh, uh, you know exclaimed the virtues of her acting ability in the past because you're right, she's great in this and and. And she owns the screen. She's very confident. You know, she she plays a very confident person. So the the, the fact that she was able to uh, portray it clearly enough and 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 make me believe that she is as confident as what she, you know, uh, comes across as sure, great, fantastic. Uh, she she is someone who uses her beauty uh, to uh, exude her confidence as well. You know, as the character, uh, you know, Molly as as the real person. You know, and. Uh, who I, I if this movie is accurate in any way whatsoever she probably uh, uh you know used her beauty uh, to her advantage as well which is which is fine you know which is fine which which in the settings that she was in you know in a male dominated uh uh system you know a culture mm-hmm. then then sure you know by all means uh, you use it to your advantage that's great uh, does any does anyone know who Player X was? By the way, it's supposed to be Toby Maguire. Really? That's what I I looked yeah. uh, up as well. I I'd already I knew he was a big card guy, and I thought I'd maybe heard about this story before. And apparently, a lot of the rumors online. I mean, they do a lot in this film to try to hide the identity of like the real life people that were involved. Sure. And they you know they named the that, that character that is played by Michael Sarah as Player X and. Apparently, from all indication online, is that it was probably... I mean, the three guesses were Leonardo DiCaprio... I forgot the second one. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck and Tobey Maguire. But a lot of people think it's Tobey Maguire because she's uh, mentioned him by name previously and not in a good light. You know, I, other... I, was, I was actually really hoping it was actually like Michael Sarah playing himself as, as player X. <laughs> like, you just think he's like this like goof, but like he's a complete card shark. <laughs> You know, I, I, it is interesting how they also, you know, show how smart, how, how intelligent Molly Bloom is and how adept she is at understanding things very quickly, you know, whether it be a system or a game or people, you know, and she's able to adapt and, and, but I never got a, got a sense as to, well, why didn't she ever use this for more legitimate purposes. You know, I understand that you guys are saying that, that, you know, it was as a system of, you know, rebellion and whatnot against her, her upbringing, her father and whatnot. Uh, but I, I never really got that sense as to, well, did she ever, ever consider going to a more legitimate means, you know, because she, she is well, so she smart. Does. 
She does. She actually registers herself as like an LLC and incorporates in the movie mm. to make sure that she can make this money legally. But the, what gets her into initially is the fact that it's it was easy. I, I yeah, was, you're right. The ease of just it. taking money, just taking money at a thing, and she got tipped like three thousand dollars. Right. I would do it in a second too. You know what's funny? The when they when they mentioned she got three thousand dollar tip, I couldn't help but think about Pretty Woman when when she gets three thousand dollars for the week, and I'm like, hmm. I I I don't I don't know if it was someone intentional. It's just me that thought about that because you know the. I don't know Pretty Woman is pretty uh, well known in the culture, you know, popular culture, and I don't know, I don't know. It, maybe it was just me. Maybe it was just me. I don't. I I, I doubt that there was some sort of inference there, you know. Uh, especially. By the way, Tim. Yeah. Uh, Three thousand dollars for the week is uh, seventeen dollars and eighty cents an hour. <laughs> okay. Just that's that cheap. Up. Well, I think the, back in nineteen eighty nine. I don't know uh, what that or nineteen ninety, but whatever that would have been. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think there's any need to go into spoilers, really. There isn't, because we've already touched every part of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Neil, any um, last things uh, you want to mention? Yeah, I quite like the uh, the actual scenes of poker, even though um, the people I was watching it with didn't really understand what was going on. I like the way it went up into like a heads-up sort of poker stars sort of broadcast on TV. I, I, I like that aspect of it, where you know you were shown the hands as if yeah. it was like an exciting commentated game on television. I've... I thought that aspect of it was was well done. It could have been done in other ways, but it, the, the way they did it got got across the message very well. Yeah, you talk about in other ways. You're right. I don't think it was done enough. I I think there could, and not just in in the cards and understanding the game and and the hands that everybody had, and just in other ways of understanding her. You know, understanding how she's uh, deducing things, how she's uh, interpreting something i don't know you're right it, it, it feels to me tim that your, your your grievance with the film is the fact that you didn't get close enough to molly and, and understanding what her motivations were and maybe her icy sort of exterior kept everyone away from it and i feel like you your, for your personal take on this film you didn't get enough of her character and who she likes and you know what does she like to eat and you know those and we don't get those things because she i think the script deliberately keeps molly bloom at arm's length from the audience you, you get to know enough that you need to know to progress the story, and that's all you're going to get. Which is the fault of the filmmakers, you know, because what am I supposed to feel by the end of this movie? You know, she she goes through some sort of journey. She goes she she faces repercussions. She faces uh, uh, a judge. She faces the law. You know, she has uh, um, you know uh, penalties put against her. And and am I supposed to feel bad for her? Am, am I am I supposed to? I not sympathize with her. I, I I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel by the end of this movie. Well, it's it's as manipulative and as you said, calculating as the the entire script is. You know, you're you're only shown enough to know that Molly gets caught by the FBI. She made this empire for herself, and by the end of the film, you're supposed to to feel something for her because she has daddy issues. Yeah, daddy um, issues. <laughs> she does, which is miraculously solved by the end of the movie. I'm like, okay, oh. stop it. But there isn't enough resolution by the end of the film. Now we're in kind of spoiler territory. I guess there's too many loose ends and there's too many questions by the end of this film that I, left me going, so how does she pay off the $200,000 while they're all eating their steak meal at Arby's or wherever yeah. it is? Uh, you know, wh wh what's going on here? How is Idris Elba going to get his cuts out of this as well? And, you know, by having I this movie made. <laughs> 
yeah, but, exactly. You know, these, like, these questions. Why did Idris Elba take on, yes. take, on take her on, knowing thank that you. she had fuck all money? Thank you. Where, where, why, why, why did that happen? You know, you saw the good in her, Neil. You didn't see that because like, she's a good person. Of Jessica Chastain's spectacular breasts. It's not every day that someone can get scarred for life by seeing a blowjob in the driveway, but that's that's partly what what drove all this. Just putting that out there. Mm-hmm. Kevin Costner clearly says it himself. You saw it in the driveway, but you didn't understand what was going on. It's the only thing it could possibly be. <laughs> but I also have a question, too, about some of the camera choices in this. Because for the most part, like, the heads-up stuff makes sense for the poker. Everything that seems to be shot in a fairly able to see everything that's going on. And then you can see that Aaron Sorkin directs for television. Because when the, when the Italian mob shows up, everything is within... You you are literally six inches away from everything, hmm. and it is awful. Interesting. It is it is it is a, it is a poor choice to. I get. You're, I know you're trying to do. The, you're, you're you're shooting. You're not shooting for TV. You're shooting for a movie. Like you mean when they meet her at the restaurant. When they meet her at the restaurant, when he, the uh, the mobster shows up at her room. Oh yeah, you're um, right. You're right. That that okay. So the when, ice skating scene. When they show up at the restaurant, you're right. It, 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 there should be that moment when she realizes that she wants to get out of that situation. There isn't any change in camera. There isn't any change in the in the style to to raise the tension. You know, it's only exactly. the dialogue that's that's making you feel this. And there should be a a, a, a change in, in in the placement of the camera, and the editing, and all that kind of stuff, and the viewpoint. Absolutely, the point of view. And you're right. The the whole also the aftermath of that that attack in the hotel i'm like how long are you gonna go on with her recovery move move please you know yeah you're right it's the only time you get is is you know is being able to hear the newspapers out the front door that's it (laughs) jesus christ uh all right hermano you've been silent for a while anything else are you done i'm good yeah all right let's get the grades uh neil b b b hermano I'll give it a B minus. Wally, this is a solid C. C, yeah. Uh, I'm giving it a B minus as well. It, 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 you're Hermano. You 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 brought it up perfectly. Is that I just I haven't thought about it much uh, since uh, uh, since we saw it, and and that's like one of the worst types of movies, you know. Yeah, it's it's easily. It, I mean, for me, I, I'm a, only speak for myself, but it's probably the only time I'll I'll probably check it out. There's really nothing to revisit. Uh, unless you just want to see, like Tim's been exclaiming, Jessica Chastain, in a, in a way you've maybe never seen her before on screen. Uh, just spectacular. Well, I know we've seen more. You know, like in that movie Lawless, we've seen more. Fuck but, it out. Uh, <laughs> Neil, my, what did you get yourself into? But my God, <laughs> I'll take this movie uh, in viewing her over outright nudity because I think the way her breasts are displayed are just amazing. <laughs> just amazing. My God. You really missed an opportunity to give her uh, a grade of double D. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just wow. All right. That is it for this episode of the First Time Watchers podcast. Find us on Facebook by searching First Time Watchers. Email us at firsttimewatchers at gmail.com. Send a donation via patreon.com slash firsttimewatchers or visit our store at zazzle.com slash firsttimewatchers. You can talk to us on Twitter at 1sttimewatchers on Twitter. Or follow us on our Tumblr page, firsttimewatchers.tumblr.com. Download our episodes at iTunes and Stitcher. Feel free to leave a review. We'd love feedback. If you have any suggestions of movies for us to watch, please send a tweet or an email. Speaking of suggestions, let's recommend a movie. Neil. 
seeing as we've been talking about breasts, um, Russ Myers. No, I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, I am not a witch. Um, I've banged on about this film for too long. Uh, it came up in the British Independent Film Awards. I think it's nominated for a BAFTA as well. Um, it is just the most brilliant debut film I saw last year uh, from a, a British director of uh, Zambian descent, I believe, or Kenyan descent, maybe, um, called Rungano Neoni. Um, she is brilliant. This film is amazing. It's it, The story is, uh, after a minor incident in her village, a nine-year-old Shula is exiled to a travelling witch camp where she is told that if she tries to escape, she'll be transformed into a white goat. As she navigates for a new life, she must decide whether to accept her fate or risk the consequences of seeking freedom. It is such a statement on the lives of people within the African continent itself uh, and with the modernity that's seeping in from the West. It is a statement on uh, female empowerment and the the shaping of uh, female uh, um I would say, um, views from a very young age, uh, the marginalization of women as well in society. There's just so many great statements and so many ways you can interpret this film. But what I would say is go and watch this film because of the child that plays nine-year-old Shula. And forgive me if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, but um, her name is escaping me right now. Uh, where is she? Margaret Mulurubwa. Uh, she is just brilliant. So I am not a witch. I can't implore you enough. It's on Amazon video or wherever you buy your stuff from. Just rent it, watch it, tell me what you think. Um, and yeah, it's just fantastic. I am not a witch. Probably as fantastic as Jessica Chastain's breasts. Uh, also spectacular in uh, Molly's game was Luther, uh, was, uh, Luther himself. Yes, Idris Elba. And uh, it's a show I've mentioned before, uh, probably in, in Luther. It started in 2010, and I love, I love British television, Neil. You know, 2010, 2011, yeah. 2013, 2015, and it's coming back for a fifth season this year. Uh, well, British television or Luther? Uh, Luther. Okay. Yeah, Luther. Idris Elba is Luther. Uh, he plays a detective, uh, a near-genius murder detective, whose brilliant mind can't always save him from the dangerous violence of his passions. Um, Ruth Wilson plays uh, his nemesis throughout most of the series. Uh, and she's she eats up the uh, scenery, which is great. It is really a lot of fun. Also, you know, speaking about British television, the, the series, you know, there's seasons that are four uh, episodes, some that are two. I think one that is two. Uh, this season will be four episodes again. Uh, so it, just another great quick watch. It's awesome. Luther, watch it. Uh, Wally? All right. So I was going to talk about, originally I was going to bring up uh, Indecent Proposal, but I figured I was going to step it up like a little bit and give you something better than than that because this movie is really in the middle so i am going to go into jessica chastain's filmography and i i'm trying to branch out and talk about more movies as opposed well, to the same ones i over and over again that I tend to recommend uh and i probably have mentioned this one before but this movie is absolutely worth watching uh multiple times from 2011 co-starring with michael shannon directed by jeff nichols take shelter Played by a series of apocalyptic visions, a young husband and father questions whether to shelter his family from a coming storm or from himself. Watch this movie. This movie's fucking awesome. The scene where Michael Shannon loses his mind at a at a a company barbecue is worth the price of admission. This movie's great. See it. And Jessica Testing doesn't show off her breasts nearly as well as she did in Molly's game. Hermano doesn't need to. She does a great job in this movie anyway. I, I agree. Hermano. All right. 
movie I'll recommend also features poker at the center of it. It's from 1994, Maverick, mm-hmm. starring uh, Mel Gibson, Jodie Foster, and James Garner. Mel Gibson, back in 1994, I was 18. I didn't know that he hated the Jews and called women sugar tits. <laughs> uh, this one is directed by Richard Donner, whose best film is clearly The Goonies. Mm-hmm. Tim, you agree, right? Jessica Justine's Spectacular Breasts. Has nothing on the Goonies. I'll finish that sentence for you. Uh, Brett Maverick, needing money for a poker tournament, faces various comic mishaps and challenges, including a charming woman thief. Uh, fun film, seen a couple times. Uh, you know, very lighthearted. A uh, lot of comedy at the center of it. Uh, action, western. That's your thing. Um, I think the card game, the way it's depicted in here, obviously a lot of it is high stakes. Uh, you know, there's there's probably a, a shootout going to break out at, at each hand. You know, it's that, that type of film. Um, have you guys seen it? Do you guys like this? Sure, I it's like, fine. It came out where he's like, uh, we play instead or we play and draw. <laughs> Everybody goes for their guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good one. Okay. It's okay. Uh, Neil, thank you for showing us your boobies. Um, you're welcome. I wasn't aware I did, but um, you'll be getting a lawsuit in about 25 years' time. Where can people find your breasts online? Um, you can follow me uh, at Filmseekers uh, on Twitter or go to Filmseekers.com. We've got an awesome podcast. In fact, uh, we had on our last episode in Hamano, I know you are you like listening to our podcast, uh, we had our Steadicam operator from the UK who actually worked with Idris Elba uh, a few months ago uh, on, he couldn't tell me actually, I think it was Yardi, which is Idris Elba's new film coming out this year. But we've got an interview with the Steadicam operator, uh, which gives you an insight into what goes on on a set in terms of camera operation. He talks brilliantly about his job. We also review uh, a few other films as well. We've got, uh, as I said, the Film Seekers podcast will start in the next two weeks' time and uh, we'll have more content up on the website as well. So, yeah, you can follow me by following at Film Seekers. And stay tuned for our next episode. We have one more episode before our Best of 2017 show where we will be discussing the latest Steven Spielberg film, The Post. That's the first time watch this podcast because we like to watch. With spectacular breasts. Oh, you sound very breathy tonight. Oh, I do? Yeah. Really? <coughs> breathy meaning... So you're, uh... What's her name? What? <laughs> I was just going to say you're doing that uh, actress's impression, but I can't remember her name now. Kathleen Turner. Oh, wow. Kathleen Turner impersonation. I, I hope it's not current Kathleen Turner, because she <laughs> has turned into a whole different creature. <laughs> oh, boy. Tim, we don't judge people on our looks. It's true. Especially... You really want to take that back. You want to edit that out right now. Can't be attacking women these days. Not that it was good anytime. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I forgot. I, I, I thought I was on the True Bromance podcast for a second.
Whoosh. Ouch. Ouch. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. Okay. Sure. I'm doing okay. I don't like that there's an ocean between us, Neil, but <laughs> otherwise I'm fine. Yeah, it's uh, the Atlantic, eh? What can we do about it? I'm sure uh, your great leader will, would be able to achieve something with it yeah. in, in, in due course if you asked him very nicely. Maybe say that we have some sort of uh, weapons of mass destruction hidden on this side of the earth. And uh, he may say, well, let's get rid of the ocean. We'll build a wall. I'll just wait for climate change to cause a typhoon and then I'll just walk across. <laughs> uh, talk about Chui. Chui, uh, uh, upper class British people, early 1900s. Neil, let me out. Victorians? Yes. Uh, no, not the Victorians. Uh, Edwardians? No. Anyways, moving on. Uh, it doesn't matter. No, it's fine. People can be what just, they want to be. No, I'm just saying, I don't want to associate with all these guys anymore. Oh, I see. You want to do that. That's absolutely fine, Hermano. I just don't want to be classified with all these guys that... No, I mean, like, you know, any any gender that um, Tim Tim uh, aspires to be, I, I want to be the exact opposite. That's fair. That's fair. I don't blame anybody. <laughs> Anybody sees me and they just run away. I get it. I get it. It's okay. 